What is a ghost's favorite dessert? You ready? Ice cream! Boo-hoo-ha! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 51 of Starting Sustainability. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. I want to start off this episode by saying congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Davis and Christy Jones. They were guests on episode 41, where we discussed Down to Earth Part 1. They were married on Saturday, October 24th. Let's give it up for the happy couple. I want to review all the actions Sustainer Nation has been taking. Julia said that she has been using bar soap, reuses plastic jars from nuts at Costco. Those are the great big ones, I think. She buys tea with paper wrappers or no wrappers at all, reuses plastic grocery bags as garbage liners for bathrooms or for picking up dog poo or discarding cat litter. And her mom even makes her own dog food. And she's looking into trying silicone storage bags and produce bags. Way to go, Julia. That's quite a bit. Amanda says she reuses coffee containers for plants and to hold compostable items in the kitchen until she goes out to the compost bin. And she'll even use them to play nose games or smelling games with her dogs. I've looked into kitchen compost, and it's basically like a metal bucket or a metal can that you put your compostable items in, like your banana peels and the bad bits of a celery stalk, whatever. And it basically holds all the items until the can gets full, and then you can run it out to the compost pile. So that's a great idea. Now you don't have to buy that special kitchen compost. You can just reuse metal coffee containers, or I guess plastic ones too. Tori said she's been cleaning out her office and craft closet and reorganizing with recycled items like cans. She also got a new-to-me desk. Yay! That's my favorite kind of furniture. Because it is sturdy, long-lasting, high-quality, and usually a whole lot cheaper than the brand new stuff. Jessica P. is hosting a gardening workshop. All right, I definitely need to attend because I'm terrible at gardening. Jessica R. taught her kids about recycling and working towards zero-waste lunches. Nusi, I think that's how you pronounce that, N-U-C-I, she had one cute reusable grocery bag made from a raincoat material, and she has been trying to sew similar ones to give to her friends as gifts. Alex collected and brought all her plastic wrap and films like bread bags to a recycling deposit box at the grocery store instead of putting them in the trash. She also bought 100% compostable poopy bags for her new rescue puppy, Aria. You know, I've been collecting those plastic bags and films that, say, you have to take to a store drop-off because you can't put them in the recycling bin. It's the wrong kind of plastic. But they do have the recycling symbol and will just say, for store drop-off. And I do have a store near me, and I've been collecting these for probably six months now. And every time I go to the store, it's not until I get home that I remember, shoot, I was going to take those to the store with me. I'm really terrible at remembering them. And Sarah says she finally got around to watching Down to Earth and absolutely loved it. Yay, Sarah! (laughs) I'm glad you did. I hope that you find it as eye-opening as I did. 
I also want to take this time to give a huge shout out to Tori and Amanda. They are killing it. Tori has really stepped up on the Instagram and Facebook group. I'm sure you've seen her being active on there. And Amanda has been making awesome stuff. She's made reusable cotton rounds, reusable cloth gift bags, cutlery kits, baby bibs, reusable wine bottle bags. She's been sending me pictures of all of her creations all week long. They are creative and beautiful. I love them. We're going to do the sale on Facebook sometime mid-November. We haven't quite picked a date yet. We're honestly still trying to figure out all the logistics of this. (laughs) And I've never done a big Facebook Live or sale before. So all I can give you right now is sometime in November. Stay tuned, keep following up, and I will give you more updates on that. If you have items to mail to Amanda, like your extra or scrap, fabrics, cloth, clothes that you're not able to donate or reuse, towels, blankets, sheets, tablecloths, even buttons and ribbons, mail them to Amanda at 719 Chase Lake Road, Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L, Michigan, M-I, 48855. When you send in the items, you will get a 5% discount when you place your first order. Last little bit of business. Logo submissions. We are still looking and gathering logo submissions because we need a new logo. We need an updated, catchy, fancy logo for starting sustainability. You have until October 31st, Halloween. So there is still time. You can send them to my email, Kaylin, K-A-Y-L-I-N, at startingsustainability.com. Or you can send them through the Facebook group if you want to do a private message and DM them to me. That would also work if that's a little bit easier for you. As promised, I do have some last-minute Halloween updates from the previous Halloween episode. Something that I missed, you can save the pumpkin seeds, which we did this all the time growing up. How silly of me to not remember that. Save the pumpkin seeds. You can bake them in the oven and put a little bit of salt, butter, herbs, seasoning, whatever you want on them. You can also save them for gardening for next year and grow your own pumpkins. Also cook the pumpkin flesh. If you have gourds for your yard decoration, you can even turn those into birdhouses or bird feeders. Veronica suggested... Collect all of your children's small toys that you get from birthday parties and church gatherings and whatnot, prizes at school, all that stuff. Collect all the little small toys. She does it all year round and puts them in a shoebox. And then when it comes time for Halloween, she'll pass those out instead of candy. Perfect. Great idea. I love it. (laughs) It's reusing items and it's cleaning out my house from all these itty bitty little toys that make a giant mess everywhere and all I do is step on them or pick them up a hundred times. If you're concerned about COVID, take all those toys. You can put them in a reusable produce bag or even a lingerie bag that you use for your laundry. Put them in there, zip it shut, wash it through the dishwasher and that will sanitize it. Other ideas are sticker sheets. My kid came home with a bunch of sticker sheets, which I wish I would have kept. I re-gifted them to another kid, but I was like, I don't want stickers because here's what happens to stickers with a two-year-old. They go on his clothes and I forget to take them off and they go through the wash or they end up on the wall or they end up on the window in my car or they end up on the floor. They end up places where I don't want them and then it takes me 20 minutes to scrape them off. (laughs) I'm sure other parents have felt my pain. Other great ideas would be the little bouncy balls, 
fake rings, those little tiny plastic mazes, little rubber ducks, even crayon packs from restaurants. All of these are great things that you can reuse and repurpose as a Halloween treat. Next up is catching up with Kaylin's segment. Here I am. I finished using my Plain Products lotion and I loved it every step of the way. It was, well, <laughs> well, the little bit that was left after my toddler used most of it on himself in the bathroom. But I loved it. It was great. Perfect. Amazing. Made my skin hydrated and I have super dry skin. So when I put that on, I could feel my skin drinking it up. I loved it. But I finished it up, unfortunately. So I busted out the beeswax lotion stick that I got at a farmer's market back in the summertime. And I was excited because I was supporting a local farmer. It was a sustainable purchase. And I went to use it and it sucked. It was like rubbing wax all over me. I could feel that my skin was really dry and I'd rub this beeswax. It was like taking a candle and rubbing it on your arm. (laughs) I'd put the beeswax on my skin and it was just just a wax layer on top. There was no rehydrating at all. Such a bummer. So I will be getting a refill of the Plain Products Lotion. I'm also very low on shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. This time I'm going to be getting the Citrus Lavender Scent. Like I said before, I'm a nighttime shower. I think that one's going to be better for me. I'm very, very excited about it. If you feel Plain Products is a little pricey to test out, you can get the travel kit because that's what I did. So you get the little bottles. It's a lot cheaper. And don't forget to use your 20% off discount code. That is promo code START, S-T-A-R-T. Guess what? It's time for the real reason why you're listening in on this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, kids and pets, everyone of Sustainer Nation, please welcome and listen closely to my interview with George Berthron from Clean and Proud. Hello, everybody. Starting sustainability. This is episode 51. I received an email. It says, hello. I am writing from Malawi as I started a plastic recycling nonprofit called Clean and Proud to deal with a huge plastic waste issue in Malawi. As one of the poorest developing nations, waste management is pretty low on the political agenda, the result being a huge buildup in the environment that has a negative effect on both environmental and health impacts. Clean and Proud removes plastic waste from environment by recycling it into lifelong products designed to help consumers reduce their own single-use plastic consumption. We conduct outreach and awareness of how plastic waste can be harmful to the environment and community health, and we are aiming to encourage community participation in recycling by soon providing financial incentives via our plastic waste collection points. All of our projects are funded by sales of our long-life products that are created from waste we collect. All of the best, George Berthon. And I have George Berthon here with me. And today we're going to do a nice little interview. So say hello, George. Hello, everybody. (laughs) All right. Well, George, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is George, as we covered. It's uh, my partner and myself, Beatrice. We both have been living in Africa now for about five years. And Personally, I'm, I have a background in conservation. She's worked in conservation as well herself. And we've both fallen in love with Africa and the African wilderness and the African bush. And we both ended up working in Malawi 
and it's, it sort of came about that whilst we were working in such beautiful pristine environments often we would have to go out of these national reserves that are protected um, into the cities and the towns where we built up lots of friends friend networks and it, it's kind of a bit soul destroying and <laughs> devastating when you see such a buildup of plastic in the environment and so we together used to um, get us a bit upset when we would be on a bus for example and you have people chucking plastic out of the windows and uh, discarding plastic left right and center and I, we used to moan about it quite a lot between ourselves one evening over a beer we just were moaning about it again and thought you know what let's actually try and do something about this issue that we feel so strongly about and we actually decided to go and do something and this clean and proud what we've started is is our answer to this uh, this plastic waste issue that this country that we love so much is um is facing we both have a background in in tourism and wildlife management you said you've been in malawi for five years where are you from originally so myself i'm from uh, england and beatrice is from france and i, I studied in in england and beatrice studied in france and she actually was in geology and then went into africa to study freshwater lake environments and myself, I was studying conservation ecology university. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I was like, because your accent doesn't sound like you're from Africa. So I was just wondering. <laughs> no, no, we sort of fell in love with the place. Felt like we can actually have, a, have an impact out there. So we've kind of settled ourselves uh, far away from home, <laughs> uh, where we we're from. So it's, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Well, good. It's beautiful except for the waste problem, and you kind of touched on that already. Can you explain just how bad it is? Imagine at home, you're obviously very lucky back in the States and in, in Europe, where we, me, Beatrice and myself are from, we've grown up with a very fortunate to have collection service every week that come and pick up the rubbish you put at the end of your driveway or outside your house, it gets picked up for us. Um, sadly, Malawians, don't have this sort of service and they you can imagine over the course of a week you might have one or two bags maybe over the course of a month you might have 10 bags of rubbish and it builds up and up and up and and the big question comes what do you do with that waste when no one's collecting it and there is no bins to put it in and this is what malawians face every day and their solution is and what they're faced with is the options are basically to burn it in their garden or bury it in the garden as well um, in a, such a poor country as Malawi, staple foods are grown in their garden to be able to provide the food on the table every day for their families. And obviously, if you've been burying plastic wastes in your garden um, soil for the past five to ten years, longer in many cases, then obviously that has impact on the, on the food that you're growing to feed your family. It doesn't grow as well. The water filtration is affected. And all sorts, but see, it goes further than that, um, whereby there's not, you know, if you're walking around and you have some rubbish, you can put it in a bin. There's usually a bin within a two minute walking distance to wherever you are. In Malawi, there is no bin system that's effective. There have been some charitable attempts at putting bins in, but often there is no collection of those bins, so they're overflowing with waste from weeks of not collecting it. And so it's a problem with the management of the waste that is, is occurring. And it's also a massive lack of understanding about plastics and how 
plastic can have negative impacts on your on the community health for example malawi itself has a high rainfall and therefore when the plastics block drainage ditches for example that wash the water away it pulls the water and accumulates big bodies of water and this is perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes that transport and vector the disease of malaria that kills millions of people every year um, so there's profound effects on the communities as well i believe it's a general lack of appreciation for the longevity of plastics in the environment they may last generations and generations and generations when they chuck it away on the side i think there's a general lack of understanding perhaps of of the extent to which they will exist that's kind of mind-blowing to think about the extent of marketing and how how they could come up with systems to get all those plastic products into malawi but nobody's cared enough to create a system to take care of the plastic products that's kind of heartbreaking and this is this is the thing if you think back 20 years ago all of the packaging used was sort of banana leaves and and paper that was biodegradable so it's one thing chucking a banana leaf onto the street or onto the soil but if you chuck a plastic bag and you're not told what happens with the plastic bag and the fact that the plastic bag will remain there go from a throwaway culture which isn't having a negative impact to continuing that throwaway culture with a new a new product or a new material that is the plastic that then has huge negative consequences onwards so you won't necessarily understand what you're doing will be having the bad impact that we see. Wow. So you said that you were there with your partner drinking a beer one night and you decided to do something about the problem. And that's when you decided to start Clean and Proud. So can you tell us a little bit more about Clean and Proud and exactly what that is? Yeah. So it's an issue that really annoyed us, Stuart being there. And we, we had been moaning for far too long. So we decided we we're going to do something. And Clean and Proud, after we had spoken to a lot of uh, people we knew who lived in the country, and were citizens of the country and they felt it was a very strong opinion that yes plastic waste is a, something that we we don't want and if there was a system in place to deal with that waste we would use it uh, as long as we don't have to pay for it i mean often those people are struggling as it is day to day to find enough food and enough to keep their families going and everything so uh, this is why when we brought up our strategy we've we brought up our strategy of clean and proud this is what we've come up with and we currently employ teams to go and collect the waste off the streets out of the environment where it has a negative impact we bring this plastic waste back to our workshop and clean it and then heat compress process it into long life plastic sheets and the waste that we collect currently i mean when we started we wanted to collect every form of plastic there is under the sun that is waste to be able to recycle some forms of plastic, you need machinery. It costs quite a bit of, bit of money. Um, so currently, until we have that funding, we're, we're only recycling the single-use plastics, the low-density polyethylenes, which are the plastic bags, packaging of, like, for example, breads, all the milk in Malawi comes in plastic bags. And with that recycled single-use plastic and long-life sheets that we create, um, we then use that material as a base material for the products that we use and the, uh, the products that we create out of that material. And those products are then sold uh, to create the revenue to fund that whole process. So these products, they're handmade and they're ethical, correct? Yes. So 
they're, they're all uh, handmade from the process of collecting the plastic um, through to the washing of the plastic. The actual heat processing, the recycling part is also hand done. We've got three ladies at the moment uh, in the workshop that's used irons to heat press it. And uh, then the tailors will cut this uh, long life material uh, into the right shapes and the right form for their tailoring into the products. And these tailors are doing an amazing job. And it's, it's quite remarkable. It's all foot pedals. Um, I know we're used to having the electric machines in Europe. So these machines are these sewing machines, the foot yeah, pedal the sewing foot machines. Sewing machines, yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah, they're very. Um, it's quite an art when you watch them working. Yeah, it's very impressive. So is that just because that's the machinery you could get, or because electricity is an issue? All the workshop is powered on on renewable energy, um, but often the supply is very dependent on rain and how much water there is in the in the Lake Malawi. And often it does result in periodic electric shortages. Therefore, we do try and opt for mechanical machinery where, where possible. So the, the foot pedals powered tailoring sewing machines. And yeah, we do use the electric irons, but it is all renewable energy. So what are the products that you make? So the products, we actually have designed a lot of them to try and help consumers to reduce their own plastic impacts. For example, I know the new, one of the new trendy sustainable products is the soap, shampoo bars and conditioner bars and body soap bars as well. So for example, we've tried to make it a toiletry bag and for, for the toiletry bag, there's specific pockets designed to fit soap bars. And for example, there's one pet hate that really annoys me every time a Sainsbury's or a big shopping outlet in the West is those tiny grocery bags that you have to put all your veg in every time you buy a potato or a um, I don't know a um, yeah we call them produce bags yeah those very thin small ones yeah so we've actually we make produce long life grocery produce bags that you can put anything in they also work very well as sandwich bags we've had friends that use them for all kinds of different things but the idea was to say you can take it to the shop and put instead of putting it all in a single one of those single use bags that generally get discarded after one use you can have a long life produce bag but we do a whole range of of products the latest one we've started doing is laptop slips and that's with that we've started recycling cigarette butts so laptop slip be like a carrying case for your laptop it's a sort of it's a padded case for your laptop that has a small little handle on it you can carry it but it's mainly designed for slipping inside your rucksack but it's just got an extra extra protection and you make that from cigarette butts so it's a mixture of recycled single-use plastics with the long life plastic sheets and then you have in between the two sheets you would have a layer of cigarette butts that have been recycled it basically provides a cotton-like material that's quite cushiony that is really smart. I would have not thought of that, but you're right. Like the filters in the cigarette butts are padded. Yeah, they provide a nice cushioning pad. I used to smoke and it was one of my, one of my pet hates was the cigarette butts at the end. And if you think how many billions and billions of them are smoked every day and discarded onto the street, they then work their way into the, the water system and then the rivers and then uh, they're just everywhere. Does it smell like cigarettes? Or do you have to do something to get the smell out? 
the most difficult part was getting rid of the smell. It's taken quite a long time, but we've managed to, you know, to get a formula that gets rid of the smell as a, on a permanent basis. Um, and it, it took quite a lot of trial and error, but we finally managed to get rid of that dirty cigarette smell from the material itself. I don't suppose you're going to share your secret because I do a lot of, I will buy a lot of stuff. I call it pre-loved, but things that have been used by other people instead of buying it brand new. And sometimes I forget to ask, is this coming from a smoke-free home? And I get there and I buy it and I bring it home like, oh, this whole thing reeks of cigarettes. I'm like, I'm glad I saved the earth by buying something used, but now my house smells. (laughs) It takes forever to get rid of that smell. It's a, a mixture of various different, so there's a small chemical we put in it, but it's, it's also then mixed with a, ah, I've, I've totally forgotten the name, actually conveniently forgotten the name, but I've actually forgotten the name of the, the final ingredient that's added, and that neutralizes the smell. So there's, it goes through a process, it has to basically, get, it takes four days to get rid of it. Oh, wow. It's, it's quite a lengthy process with a number of different solutions that are added. So you've come quite a ways in your business, and I'm glad to hear about it. Can you tell me what it was like at the beginning? Because it sounds easy to start a business, but it is very challenging. So how did you get started with Clean and Proud? So, so difficult. I mean, we had an idea. Um, Obviously, having an idea over a beer isn't quite the same thing as, as actually implementing it logistically. And we actually started two, about two years ago and at the time we were part we were working so this was a part-time project we had on the side and it was very slow to grow and as i said at the beginning we were wanting to do all kinds of plastic plastic bottles the polystyrene the single-use plastic bags the low-density polyethylenes and we found very quickly that actually you have to have some quite high-tech machinery for, machinery for a lot of that plastics. And we started developing the machinery and then ran out of budget quite quickly. So sadly, that had to be put on hold. Through trial and error, it's taken two years to get the plastic, long-life plastic sheet, the quality of what it is now. I mean, it, it's quite fun. We actually have kept a few of the old and original products. And when you compare what we had before to what we have now, it's quite remarkable. And it's taken a lot of, trial and error and getting feedback from lots of different people um, to end up with a product that actually is quality enough to be able to sell it in the European markets. And one of the trickiest things was getting tailors in Malawi, Malawian tailors, who have been to tailoring school, so they know how to tailor, but don't forget their trade is all in clothing. So to teach them how to do a rucksack to begin with is quite tough. And then to teach them the difference between um, often the Malawian standards, people are obviously uh, in a less economic state, so they, the standards are slightly different. Europe, the standard is usually for a handcraft product is usually quite high. So people, you know, they, if they're going to buy a handcraft product, it's got to be quite a good product. No loose threads, no nothing like that. So it's taken a long time to get our tailors very detail orientated. Um, but they've worked incredibly hard and they have got to a point now where we're incredibly proud of what we're all producing and they do an amazing job. That's really wonderful to hear. Yeah, sometimes you just have to keep persevering through business and you're definitely going to hit a lot of road bumps, but you kind of figure it out. (laughs) Well, there's so many times where we've almost given up on the whole idea and then you think, why we started this for a reason and, you know, ultimately the goal at the end is to 
create a system that deals with that plastic waste that we know has such a negative impact on both people and the environment. Do you have any facts or figures on the waste that you've been able to divert through your company? Yeah, we're, we're very small still because it, it uh, for us to expand to the next stage requires quite a bit of funding. Currently, we're getting that through a few donations and mainly through sales of products. Um, this year, we are over, we're just up to about half a, half a ton of single-use plastics, I believe is... The 300,000 single-use plastic bags that have been removed, or the equivalent of, that have been removed from, directly from the environment where it's doing quite a lot of damage. But, you know, we've, we've got targets for next year to be doing well over a, a ton. That's, that's, our, that's our aim. <laughs> so how many people do you have who go out and collect the garbage? Did you say it was three people? We've got three lovely ladies who are employed to go out and they get do collections every every day. There is a team that goes out, um, and we also have and they collect by um, they have some PPE. And they collect in drainage ditches. They collect um, out of the, the actual scrub, the bush, and often there are piles that are just building up in areas, and they go and collect all this this plastic because it's obviously a breeding ground for bacteria and all kinds of nasties like in Malawi actually you have cholera outbreaks every year it, it's I has to have some correlation to pooling of water and a lack of effluent management as well as plastic management there's a lack of all kinds of, of waste management so it's and when you have on the periphery of the city and the towns you have um, very low conditions of living um, where the effluent especially when it rains a lot it kind of mixes with the water and it it can be very very toxic to people's health particularly living in those conditions yeah i guess right now the whole focus is coronavirus with everything but you're right where you're at there's a whole lot more other stuff that they have to worry about in addition to coronavirus <laughs> yes 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 and and in malawi it's life is just tough it's very very tough and even there's so many such a high percentage in in for example in the city that we have our workshop in some areas of that city there's 60 percent unemployment and well you know they struggle they struggle every day to get enough to feed and they have large families you know they've got a lot of people to feed a lot of mouths to feed every day they work very hard to enable that to to be able to feed their family provide for their family and get their kids to school every day they have always, always do it with a smile on their face. And they're very friendly, lovely people. What are Clean and Proud's sustainable plans as a company? Because you, I saw on your website that you have childcare and some other things that you do for your employees. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so we, uh, we, get, we make sure all employees get a fair wage. A lot of Malawians, they actually miss lunch and often breakfast and only have one good meal a day. We vouch every day, any worker for us will get a good meal, a good healthy meal. It's very difficult for women. It's a male-dominated society. And uh, for women that have young children, it's very difficult for them to hold a job. So we have set up a running workshop that's funded by donations. And there's two ladies we have who have young, one's just had a baby, and the other one has a baby that's just about a year old. And we help them out often the babies don't get a very nutritious diet so we really when we found this out we were like we can do something about this so we provide 50 percent of the cost of breast milk 
and also a breast pump, three breast pumps and a fridge to keep the milk fresh for the day. And we also, for the Francis, one of the babies is, is just starting to have solids. So we also provide fruits and sweet potatoes for him as well, just to make sure everyone gets fed well. We recently interviewed the ladies to see how it's going because it's quite a new thing. And they've all said, actually, some of us would have had to have stopped working with you if the nursery was not there because it is so important. Uh, some, some of them don't have family they can leave their children with and the cost of nursery is too much for them. You mentioned that you saw what they were feeding them and that's why you wanted to help. What were some of the foods that they were eating before you helped? Quite shocking. Like, Well, we were very shocked at least. So some of the babies were being fed things like uh, crisps, like Watsits and Cheetos. And it was, the, you know, the really sugary fridge milkshakes is what they are. I mean, full of sugar. And obviously uh, us having a little basis of an idea of what, you know, diabetes is and, and obesity and all the rest of the diseases that are associated with um, high sugar diets. I mean, we're not doctors or anything, but I mean, we would not want to be <laughs> partially responsible for any long-term damage to any children who are at our workshop because they're not being fed the right, the right foods. So for us, it's incredibly important. This diet is a big, big importance. So that's the one thing that we can do for them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So outside of podcasting, my full-time job is I'm a registered dietitian and I do a whole mm. lot of nutrition and education with wellness and whatnot. So, yeah. so to hear that, it makes me cringe as well. So I understand completely why you're like, we're going to help provide you with some nutritious meals, get that kid eating right. <laughs> and not only that, but it, it, everyone, all the staff love it. And there's always you know, the little kids around and it does boost a bit of team morale and, every, and it is, it's a very nice atmosphere when you've, when you've got the kids around. It's, I actually really enjoy it myself. It's much, much nicer. If listeners of the podcast want to learn more about Clean and Proud and they want to support your business, where do they go? We have a website uh, that Beatrice created. It's a lovely website. www.cleanandproud-recycling.com um, and we also have got a, an Instagram account, which is B, B-E, underscore C and P. And there's also a Facebook, which is at B, C and P. Wonderful. Good. I have one last question for you. This is just for you personally. Other than starting up a business, which has a lot, and I'm giving you a ton of credit on that, but other than that, what is the strangest thing that you have done personally for the name of sustainability? Ooh, I've done a lot of things, a lot of fundraising events, some of which probably shouldn't be named on a podcast. But um, I think the most influential for me were, I mean, I've worked as a safari guide and the most, the, one of the things that I'll probably never get to experience again, and maybe one day I will, let's hope so. But it was um, having a group of guests on and having elephants coming, we're on foot and they're coming from four, three different directions. And we managed to get ourselves into a semi-safe spot. <laughs> and just having them come from three directions and coming up super close. We're talking sort of five, probably 10 meters away, but walking past. So we were on a pile of rocks, so we were relatively safe. But everyone in silence and just the reaction of everyone afterwards and 
it will that moment will have changed their life forever i mean you will that's not something you forget and for me with a lot of what i used to do with guiding and running conservation projects the biggest reward you get from that is just the reaction people have and the change of mindset that people can have just by one experience with nature I'm going to take this time to say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing everything about clean and proud. Is there anything else that you want to squeeze in before we get cut off? You sent a question about the discount coupon. So if any of you listeners are interested in getting a discount, you can use the code. This is all capitals P O D S S. And this will give you a five euro discount for any orders 30 euros and above and will expire on the 24th of December this year. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. No problem at all. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I think it's at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night for you. Yeah, it's quite late, but that's fine. No problem. Become a bit of a granddad. I go to bed quite early, but it's, it's not a problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you have some sweet dreams. Have a good one. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you again, George Berthron from Clean and Proud. Don't forget the discount code is P-O-D, pod, P-O-D-S-S, podcast starting sustainability. So P-O-D-S-S, pods, two S's, for a five euro discount. And that expires December 24th. So you can use that for Christmas gifts this year. Also, Don't forget to send leftover fabric and material items to Amanda. Everybody out there in Sustainer Nation, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Challenge yourself. We haven't done a challenge for quite some time. Challenge yourself to do one to two new sustainable actions that you have not done yet. At the beginning of this episode, we listed a lot of actions that are being taken by your fellow sustainers. Try to do one of those. Try to do something from any of the previous 50 episodes. Something new that you haven't tried yet. Give it a shot and then tell us about it. Let us know because if you are experiencing frustration or failure, we have too. (laughs) I know I have. And we are happy to share any shortcuts or life hacks, tidbits of information to make your life easier and your sustainable action more successful. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Continue to stay sustainable, and I will talk to everybody again next week. Bye.